Welcome to Married by Design. How do you handle not having everything that you desire? Would you describe yourself as content in your circumstances, or are you grumbling and always wanting something more? That's what we'll be looking at on this episode of Married by Design. The purpose of the Married by Design podcast is to encourage couples to enjoy all that God has for them in their marriage relationship. Welcome to Married by Design. It's amazing that we have now completed 52 episodes with this week. We started one year ago with the desire to encourage couples and strengthen marriages, and it's been encouraging, so encouraging, to see the things that God has done. That's right. It's been great for us as a couple to look at these issues and talk about these things, to see the impact as we've looked at these topics and how the Bible is so relevant today. We were challenged by our boys to start a podcast, and we've been thankful for the opportunity. We're in the series right now entitled Together But Alone. It's all about helping people in difficult marriages when there's a disconnect. People are married but can sometimes feel very alone and isolated from their spouse. And we've been looking at the biblical answers to that. Does it mean that we can take away all the pain and frustration? No, but in the midst of those things that you face, we've been looking at how to manage those things and the life of victory and faith. Every one of us enter the marriage relationship with expectations and hopes. Sometimes, sadly, those expectations are not met, and sometimes it's due to influences and choices outside of our control. Not that anyone is totally innocent in a relationship, but we realize that you could do the very best in the relationship and it can still fall short of your expectations. We're going to be looking today at how you deal with the disappointment. How you can, when things don't work out the way that you hope, still move forward and be encouraged and be content. We're going to look first at issues in the heart that lead to discontentment and how damaging it is and how God hates it. The example we're going to look at is in Numbers chapter 11. It says in verse 1, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about the misfortunes. When the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. Complaining and discontentment is so common, and yet the Lord's anger underlines the need we have to solidly deal with it. We want to examine this idea of discontentment and the bad example the Israelites were in this passage. We're going to break it down in detail to examine our own hearts. It's so important to tread carefully when we are in a place where we could be tempted to be discontent. We need to see the elements and the flaws in our thinking and correct them. Next week, we'll look at the other side of the coin, the way to press on and find a real rest and contentment despite the situations and relationships that we face. The first thing that leads to discontentment is the inability to distinguish needs from wants. As you look at this passage in Numbers 11, the question is, what did the Israelites need? They needed food and water in God's direction. The Lord was leading them through the wilderness to the promised land. And through this journey, they had those things they needed. They had seen a great deliverance from the Egyptians through the Red Sea. They should have looked forward to God's promise of a land flowing with milk and honey. God had provided for their basic needs with manna. And they should have been content and thankful. But they weren't. The need was for food, which they had, but they wanted more. Their expectations and demands were much higher. 
It says in verse 4, the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. Remember the fish we ate in Egypt cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. I'm sure that manna was not terribly exciting, but it was sustenance, and it was enough to meet their needs, not their wants. Our wants will always exceed our needs. It's interesting that they look back with fondness on their slavery and captivity in Egypt. Certainly, it would have been reasonable and enjoyable to have these other foods, and there wasn't anything wrong with those foods, except that the Israelites wanted more than what God provided. That's where the problem comes in. I can guarantee you that you will struggle with discontentment if you feel that what you want is what you really need. You can easily convince yourself that your wants are really needs. The optional becomes the necessary. We can be in a place where we convince ourselves that those things that we want are essential for our existence, and then we throw a fit if we don't get them. So the question is, the things that you want, are they needs or wants? What things do you need in order to walk with the Lord and honor Him? A perfect spouse? Better health? Financial security? Lack of conflict? There are so many things that we would naturally want in our life, like meat and fish and cucumbers, But are they necessary for you to follow Christ and obey Him? Again, all these things are not bad, except that you may be in a place, as the Israelites were, where you don't have them. And then they are not needs, but wants. That's a hard thing to accept. It could be a hard pill to swallow. But there are very few things that you actually need and many things that you want. And you can easily fall into expecting and demanding from God. And then you will find yourself living in discontentment and grumbling because you don't have those things that you want. We're not even suggesting that God may not want you to have those things. The reality is that at that point in time, the Israelites did not have those other foods. You have to accept the fact that right now, in the relationship with your spouse, there's a lack. You're in a place of manna and not cucumbers and melons. But don't go the way of the Israelites. You have to accept the fact that that is where he has you right now. It doesn't mean that you don't work toward a better relationship. But in the midst of that, you have to guard yourself from being discontent and complaining. You have to be content with God providing what you need and leaving your wants in his hands. Well, the second element is the understanding that your loving Heavenly Father provides all of your needs in the moment. We'll develop this more next week, but let's just look at this bad example of Numbers 11. You see God's loving and tender hand toward the Israelites all the way through this book. I see an incredible deliverance in Egypt. They were defenseless and in slavery, and it says earlier in Exodus that God saw their misery and had compassion on them. He provided the plague so that the Egyptians would freely release the Israelites and even sent them away with riches and treasures. The Lord delivered them through the Red Sea and was providing for them as they traveled in the wilderness. This loving father had a perfect plan of where he wanted them to live in that great land of milk and honey. All the way through, you see God's faithfulness and his providing for them. But they didn't see that. They didn't remember all of God's love and faithfulness to them. 
They were only driven by their own selfish wants. And this is the trap. You can find yourself struggling with discontentment when you forget that God is a loving Heavenly Father that provides graciously all you need. Again, all you need. We usually don't remember and reflect on the things He does provide for us, but only the things that He hasn't provided. The manna was a gift from God. It was His basic provision for their needs. What about you? What are the many needs He has met in your life? Do you ever rest in His loving care and not question Him? Do you find yourself struggling with discontentment because you honestly question God and His love for you? Maybe He's forgotten you or doesn't care about you and has just left you in this situation. Those kinds of thoughts feed that discontentment and are opposed to the biblical view that we should have of God. Regardless of what we have and don't have, we cannot charge God with wrongdoing or being unloving. The third element of discontentment is failing to see the bigger purpose. The big picture of God's deliverance from Egypt and providing them the land of milk and honey was lost to them. They were bogged down in the present with their own desires and forgot God's purposes. It was all about them and what they wanted. Please note that as a result of the grumbling that that generation was destined to die in the wilderness. This whole situation was not just about them and their stomachs. This whole issue of the kind of food was such a minor thing compared to all that God was doing and what He intended. This is so applicable to us today. You may find yourself in a marriage that is not to your liking. It may not be to God's liking, but He has allowed you to be in that situation. He did not cause your spouse to turn away, but in His sovereign hand He allowed it for His purposes. He has his own goals in mind, even though you have to walk through the wilderness and eat manna. When you have a discontented heart, you are challenging his wisdom and purposes. You may not see the purposes or even understand it now, or maybe you've lost sight of them. Certainly God desires for you to have a marriage relationship that is satisfying and honors him. But there are many other purposes besides those in your situation. It may be God's purpose to be glorified in the way that you act and react to the situation. You may have the opportunity to be a light and a testimony to your spouse that is wayward. There may be other future purposes that are yet to be realized. Future opportunities or ministries based on your experience and the things that you learn, if you're willing to learn them. We often don't understand things in our life and why life happens the way it does. God does not need to check with you and get your approval. His ways are not our ways, and His thoughts are not our thoughts. To overcome discontentment, you have to accept His sovereign hand and believe that there is a purpose in your marriage struggle. To learn and grow and have as your priority to honor Him. If you focus on those things, you will not miss His purposes, whatever they are. You have to look beyond the cucumbers and the melons. You have to understand that there's a whole lot more involved. This is like the story of Job. There's a lot more involved than what Job lost. You know, I don't understand why people are in hard marriages. I have no idea sometimes why people go through significant long-term physical illnesses. I don't know why people go through heartache and turmoil and difficulties. But I know that God is a loving God, and I know that He has His own purposes that go beyond our own comfort and health and ease. 
But if you believe that God's purpose is to supply your comfort, health, and ease, you are setting yourself up for disappointment, and you will always be discontent and wrongly upset with Him. Another element of discontentment is feeding the discontentment. That happens when we look back or look at others. That feeds that discontented heart to see what you don't have and what you could have had. We see it in the Israelites, as you've already read, when they look back at all that was available in the land of Egypt. They struggled because they did not let go of those things. They fostered and encouraged the memory of what they thought were better times in Egypt. And the rabble didn't help. These are the people that injected into the thoughts and hearts of the Israelites what they were missing out on. Ever feel that way? What God was robbing them of. These are the people that were feeding the discontentment. It was like pouring gasoline on fire. We do the same thing. We do it to ourselves. We are the rabble that suggests that God does not provide, and this is not fair, and there's something better that we deserve. We can see a better marriage in our next-door neighbors. We can see it on the Internet and Facebook and other platforms. Not that those are even reality. It's interesting, the old saying that the grass is always greener. We may say that we understand that the grass is not always greener, but we always keep in the back of our minds a better situation, something that we should have had or deserve. I would suggest to you that if you're in a marriage relationship that is struggling, if you feed those thoughts about looking for a better relationship or a better situation, you will be discontent. If you focus on another marriage that you know of and seems to be going well, it will become an idol to you and you will be discontent. The grass is not always greener. If we find ourselves wanting to go back to Egypt, we will never fulfill God's purposes for our lives. It is a real danger to look around us at other people, situations, and relationships. That feeds the discontentment and jealousy and frustration. The Israelites were to look forward to the Promised Land. But they were stuck in the past and what they thought, ironically, was a better life. And it's clear from the passage that Israelites were not thankful. It's another step toward a discontented heart. They grumbled and complained. That naturally happens when you always think that there's something better out there and you focus on it. That's also the problem that we have. We seem to forget God's blessing and the things that He has done in our lives. We always look for something more, something different, something we think will be better. It says in verse 4, People of Israel wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But our strength is dried up, and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. Thankfulness would turn the corner and eclipse discontentment, but they would have none of that. They were so focused on their own desires that being thankful was not even on the radar. You cannot be thankful and discontent at the same time. Let me say that again. You cannot be thankful and discontent at the same time. Well, that's enough for this week. We'll look at this again next week with positive encouragements. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to read through the passage in Numbers 11 and begin to pray through these different issues related to discontentment. Read through the passage a number of times and begin to pray for God to give you a heart that is the exact opposite of the Israelites. Well, let me pray. Father, we do pray that for anybody who may be listening that's struggling with discontentment, looking elsewhere, looking behind, 
and wanting more than what they need right now. Father, help them to see your loving hand in their life, your provision. And Lord, help them to learn, as Paul did, to have a contentment no matter what the situation was. And so I just pray through your spirit that you begin to help them to see that and to grab hold of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for being with us. We want to encourage you, as we always do, to share this podcast episode with others, some others. So many people are struggling with discontentment, and this could be a great encouragement to them. You can reach us at marriedbydesign01 at gmail.com. Well, next week, we will continue to look at this idea of discontentment and how to cultivate the content and restful heart, even in the midst of a difficult marriage. That's what we'll be looking at next time on Married by Design. 